Cool. <laughs> we are live. We are live. Yes, we made it. It's another Friday, another edition of KLE, where we explore the impact of digital technology on our daily lives. And my name is Phil, the founder of Social Games. This people is Global Ads. Yes, Global It's maybe it's a good thing they told me one. Um, yeah, well, I brought another bag full of pills and amazement. I was, I was in my car on, on the way to the studio. I was thinking, I, I was really convinced this morning that I wouldn't find enough to talk about. And then I started doing my research and that, yeah, some things are just, you know, the gift that keeps on giving. But then a lot of things, I think there are some topics that return quite often in the line. I like that too, because then we have like a storyline and what we're doing. Um, and last time we talked a lot about how legislation is now reacting to the uh, the technological singularity, the fact that the change is exponential, it's going really fast, making a lot of people nervous. And next week we have our lawyer, who will join us in the stop as well. Well, that's, uh, that's something to look forward to. Well, uh, as a preparation for uh, the lawyer session, Next time, um, one of the most impressive things, you remember when the CEO, TikTok CEO, spent like five or six hours in uh, in Congress to defend TikTok, and, and he was calm and composed even when the questions that came in were like sometimes incredibly stupid, like, is it true that TikTok has access to our Wi-Fi network? And then you have to <laughs> explain that it needs internet connectivity to work. Well, something similar was uh, going on this week. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, uh, but a few others as well, like uh, Christina Algori of uh, IBM, um, Gary Marcus from New York University. There was a big uh, session in the U.S. Senate in the Judiciary Committee okay. um, about how to regulate AI. Uh, I thought I thought it was interesting. So they are getting used to the idea in, instead of you know panicking and let's stop everything and push the pause button, they're actually, you know, um, using, I think, the right organizations and, and committees to think about nice. this. So I thought it was funny. I forgot his name, but one of these uh, older senators who, who was uh, opening the hearing, let me know, so I hope he doesn't mind, I'm calling, yeah, Blumenthal, Senator Blumenthal, um, was, uh, was the one who was going to open the session and, uh, I must say he was pretty creative because uh, he that was audio only, um, where uh, his voice was reading a text about the topic and then all previously he was says, it was it in audio? <laughs> it was a deep fake version of his voice, and uh, the, the the video is great because he's he's like he's trying not to gloat. Uh, when everyone, the whole, the whole committee is forced to listen to this, but it was well made, and I kind of like it. like it. it and Sam Oldman actually made a really good impression on everyone. Uh, he, uh, like like TikTok CEO, he was calm and composed with the answers that he gave were in unexpected for some because he he's actually uh, for regulating AI. So yeah. they didn't expect uh, that from OpenAI's uh, CEO. Uh, he actually was, he said, yeah, no, we, we need to be careful. We need to regulate this right now. So it, it went pretty well. And, uh, he asked for it as well in the last week. Yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah. 
And and do you know how we see this regulation thing uh, or not? We must sit down with folks. That's very smart. That's actually very smart. Composed. Yes. And and he's got he's he's becoming he's he's like like the. <laughs> he's like yeah okay there we go. He's like what Elon Musk could have been. He's like uh, and and I'm just praying that he doesn't have a, a dark side or does he, that he doesn't evolve into something you know childish tantrums and, uh, into a troll. Uh, but he's also involved in WorldCoin and um, I, I which is something completely different. It's not just a crypto project. It's actually also a very decent identification project with a. Uh, I think you have to identify by having your iris uh, scanned and stuff like that. That makes me my key card, you know, start feeling really fast when I hear things like that because that, that's another reference, I think, to Minority Report, uh, that 2006 uh, Steven Spielberg movie with Tom Cruise. Uh, 2006, so that's, wow, yeah, long time ago. And then in, in one of the scenes, uh, you also have to identify not with a badge, not facial recognition. Did I already spoil the movie for everyone by talking to yeah. Everybody's listening every week. I think you're spoiled. So. Yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so the character, Tom Cruise character in Minority Report. So just to prove that it's not foolproof, um, it's very hard to fake someone's your iris, right? You can... Um, but uh, the Tom Cruise character actually takes out someone else's eye. He goes out and buys an eye that used to belong to someone else and uses that to get uh, to love you. So it's not 100% foolproof. But I'm impressed by the fact that WorldCoin, instead of being another crypto project, actually goes straight to the source and it is, can you prove who you are? And that is crucial to any type of security. Um, because that's usually where it goes wrong, is, is that someone gets in with someone else's credentials or guesses the password or something like that. Anyway, Sam Hoffman, good job. Uh, please don't turn evil. Um, and, then, and then there was the state of Montana. I also mentioned it last time. So they were saying the, government, the governor of Montana said, I'm going to ban TikTok. And now the law is there. Really? Uh, yes, it's there. It's um, it's getting into power, I think, by January 2024. But they actually had it written into a law just for the state of Montana uh, to ban TikTok. And I, I just can't wrap my head around it. How are they going to enforce it? Because it's very unclear. Um, it, are they going to, what, I don't know, arrest someone for having TikTok installed on their smartphone? Can you even, because Google and Apple haven't reacted yet, because everyone was always also asking, how can you, how can you make an app disappear from the Play Store or the Apple App Store just for the state of Montana? Yeah, how can you do that? It's difficult because there are some apps that are active in America, but Europe can't download. Like, for example, I got excited for like five seconds and then I noticed that it's not available yet in Europe. ChatGPT has an app now. Really? That's great. Yes, yes. That that was great news. And uh, so for five seconds, I was super happy uh, because if it's integrated in an app, and what, the difference between a website and an app is that an app has more context. Yeah. Um, it knows more about who you are, where you are, and, and it's a better way to keep track of what you. Yeah, they create widgets for it and directly. 
Speaking of widgets, so there is a premium version, um, like $20 something dollars a month. And if you have those, there are now a whole list of plugins. So uh, you don't have to go to my study books and Bing anymore. Um, if you have the premium version, uh, there's a whole list of plugins that have it connected to the internet and that help you to summarize YouTube videos and videos. Uh, no, no, have been. Yeah. To be honest, it's it's already integrated uh, in in a search engine, and I like the way it behaves. Being, um, and and especially that you can pick one of the three modes. Usually, I think the creativity modes. Up until now, it just depends on what you want. But if you want to have information that is very recent. Uh, and you want a language model to do a search, this information, and then somehow put it in a form that, that you need, right then, transform it into something that you need, format, even an image, because Dolly is also integrated. Uh, the performance of, of Bing is actually pretty good. So I literally use it. I, You know, on your iPhone, you can see what your five most used apps are, and Bing is always in that list now. So I use it a lot. Uh, like, for example, I'm making travel plans for the summer uh, and, and you can ask it like in natural language, uh, um, uh, what's the best way to get from A to B and that when I'm in B, what should I do? Yeah. And uh, uh, and it also, what I also like about this, uh, and, and that's something I think I saw Bing do it first and now ChatGPT is doing it as well, um, is uh, offer follow-up questions. I like that. So you're in your little bubble and you want information or advice or whatever. Um, and then it'll actually come up with three potential follow-up questions. And I usually one of them is pretty good. So um, I like the way it's evolving. Plus, um, I must admit, for a very serious large corporation like Microsoft, they actually had huge cohorts. You know, integrate the whole thing so fast and launch it so fast upon the market because I noticed that everyone else who is coming after Microsoft integration of, of ChatGPT, yeah, is going through a lot of motions now. So I noticed BART, for example, uh, Google's BART, probably pretty great, but we'll have to wait in Europe because it has to go through the whole paper mill with, you know, the regulations. And I think the, the app, um, the ChatGPT app, the fact that it's available in the US and not in Europe, I think it's going through the same motions that Bart has to do. Uh, so I think I'm very happy with Bing. Should they have waited three months uh, to, you know, double check everything and then test, they would have, they, they would have entered, you know, they would have encountered the same issues as the, the Bart app and the ChatGPT app. So there was this short fleeting window in time when, um, Letting AI loose in the wild um, was possible, like a wild west of AI, but that period is now over. Um, specifically in Europe, as far as I can see, there's, there are already, you know, limits uh, in place. Uh, but Montana, yeah. Well, what are they going to do? So there are some guesses, because there's not a lot of information on how they're going to enforce it. Uh, with fines, you can get a fine, like, I don't know, $10,000. So they're probably going to focus on, on companies, not on private persons. Because what would you you would be stopped in traffic by TikTok police or something, and, they would, and then you would have to show your, your smartphone, and if the app is on there, you get a message. I don't know. This for the commercial side, for businesses who are producing products 
worldwide. So yeah. Except in Montana, where it's um, yeah. But it's definitely good for their economy as well. I just don't understand how you can. So there are countries where TikTok is bad, whole countries like India and China. Mm. Uh, China bans TikTok because they want everyone to do you know, the, you know the twin brother TikTok. Where they have like a permanent backdoor, right. the, the Chinese Communist Party has a permanent backdoor as they do with like almost any digital platform. Uh, makes us uncomfortable, but there it's, it's pretty normal. Um, it's called the Red Web. Um, but Montana, I, yeah, I don't, I don't but generally, to the, of course, is, is it Republic or Democratic? Oh, that's a good question. Well, on, on things like these, like the security of our children, they're usually bipartisan, which is a word I didn't know until a couple of months ago, which means that both of the, of the parties actually agree on something, so that might be the case. Now, a couple of TikTokers um, are suing the state of Montana to try and revoke this law, so uh, to be continued. Their time, 2024. Until January 20. Um, uh, uh, this this reminds me of of Apple, and and I'll I'll continue with Apple's uh, later on, but they're in legal trouble as well. Um, I think it's funny when one particular European country decides that they're going to you know battle against. I remember that the first time um, that uh, Facebook was was actually asked to um, was being forced to be more transparent about the types. Of personal data that they're collecting that was coming from either austria or germany a german-speaking country in any in any case uh gpt yeah um was um was challenged by italy remember and, and it actually led to a number of positive things and now it's france is uh, investigating apple over uh specifically apple uh, over alleged uh, planned obsolescence of their smartphone. Have you heard of this term before? Planned obsolescence. Um, well, it's actually this, this capitalist evil practices. Obviously, Apple denies uh, that they do this. What it means specifically, so Apple isn't the only one, right? Um, but it, what it uh, means specifically for an iPhone, for example, is uh, the three things. First of all, uh, they will actually program, plan, produce the product in such a way that it will start to slow down or wear down after say two years and a battery life uh this is this is very easy to prove because it doesn't make sense that all of a sudden uh, charging your iphone just gets harder and harder after exactly like 18 months or two years uh a second one is that with every update uh if there's a major update in the operating system this will probably retire, uh, like four generations, the, the iPhone that we made four yeah. generations ago. So up until the point, you can still, and this is very annoying. Um, and then thirdly, uh, which, which I'm, 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 a, I'm yeah, I'll, I would actually die on that field, uh, is the right to repair. Yeah. One of the first editions was about John Deere and the farmers demanding a right to be repaired. Um, that, that's another thing that Apple has been challenged on because you, I think you literally uh, lose your guarantee, even your warranty, sorry, your warranty, uh, if you open up the iPhone. So you're not allowed to open it up. And then that was even when John Ive was still there, um, is that 
the components inside an iPhone. So he made a decision to glue them together, uh, the components, instead of screwing them together, which makes them um, a lot harder to repair. So these two things. Now, Apple, of course, denies it. Apple is also not the only one. Uh, it's similar to washing machines, smaller washing machines. They're cheaper than they used to be, but they also break down after 18 months or and planned obsolescence. So obsolescence means that it gets old mm. uh, or obsolete. So it's so old that you can no longer, it's been, suddenly become very primitive uh, technology, uh, so primitive that you can no longer use it. And that is planned. Uh, printers are pretty sure, which is, I think, the way printers are designed, that is just deliberately to make people's lives miserable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I throw them all out. Yes, I wish I could. I'm tired. Yeah, that, well, that's what one of the many things that printers do because they're you know deliberately it's a product that's made to make to make people's lives miserable. Besides the printer ink that is by the millimeters, I think the most expensive uh, ingredient thing in, on the planet, more expensive than titanium. My wife has food press. Oh, a food printer. And you need to do one paper at a time. It's, it's a little bit thick. What do you mean? Does it print food? Yeah, it's for um, cakes and stuff like that. It's like you put glass, glass here. Oh, yeah, the glazing. glazing. Yes, yes, yes. It's a printed glazing. Oh, and I see. Every time. Right. Mm. Yeah. You need to one paper at a time. Yes. And you print. And then it jumps. Yeah. Print. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Twenty times. Yeah, and then one time, accidentally, it works. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, it's on purpose. And uh, the plant obsolescence is, for example, that it's supposed to your your expectation when you buy a product like a printer, washing machine, a smartphone, is that it will last at least five years, maybe ten, right? Um, This type of product actually will always break down after two years. So sometimes you buy it and you get. A warranty. Uh, the, the words are, you know, similar, um, and but I keep confusing. You get a two-year warranty, and then exactly one week after that warranty lapses, that's when your your shit breaks out, right? And that's yeah. because it's planned. Um, now, France, bless them. Oops, uh, France, bless them, is uh, taking on Apple first uh, about plans of lessons. Of course, they're picking Apple. Like you have to be brave. I mean, it's it's literally. Literally on a global level, the company with the biggest amount of cash, they literally have billions of dollars. And they don't know. They could they could buy a country if they wanted to. So their cash flow is is just. Um. Um. So they probably also have like pretty good lawyers. They have money. Yes. You know, good lawyers. Um. But it, of course, um. It is. It is a well-known company. The iPhone is a very popular product, so I I understand why they're going after Apple first. I'm curious about how this evolved because Apple has been challenged in Europe about other things, like uh, for example, um, the charger port in in this in this uh, iPhone, for example, is not USB-C. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, and it's also. That's also super annoying because all my other uh, all my other devices have USB C, so you have to take like only the screen is an Apple Studio, and you have a, a light lightning. Yeah, well, yeah, it's really cool. It's good. It's 
But still, the iPhone, for some reason, yeah. uh, still has their own. Uh... So, um, you go, friends, Vazi. Vazi. And speaking of Apple, so I, I have a theory. So, I have a theory that they deliberately started communicating about innovative products that they're going to launch on the 5th of June. So that's WWDC. Yes, exactly. So it's pretty early. So already some of the stuff it wasn't even leaked. Uh, they actually started talking about you know the way it, it will probably be going on their on their worldwide developers conference. So we just have Google I/O, right? Um, and uh, so usually, as specifically Apple was always very tight-lipped. Um, in the past 20 years or so that they're doing this conference, sometimes they actually were able to launch a product that nobody knew of, like the iPhone and the iPad as a whole. They planned accidentally leaks, but not specifically main The main attraction. One more thing. One more thing. Well, um, they have communicated about something that um, has been a rumor for quite a long time. I was surprised that they already came up with some of the information which is their well we used to say augmented reality but let's just say mixed reality because the border between virtual and, and augmented reality is is so you know it's virtually non-existing i remember that microsoft from the start always called it mixed reality because according to them it's like a scale and i think they will call it uh, xr since they kind of like xr it's reality you can Yes, excellent. Great, great. So, um, they they have a headset coming, uh, a mixed reality headset, and um, uh, it's. I think it's going to be. It's going to be good. It can be worse than the Oculus. So I have a. Uh, I have an Oculus. I had used it in a couple of months. Um, so I had to identify myself with my Facebook credentials again, and I literally had to type my super secure Facebook. <laughs> password which is literally super secure so it's like impossible to type on a, on a you know you're like you're like stevie wonder you know the blinds the blind pianist who go like Ugh. so yeah the, the keyboard is there just you're wearing it i felt so stupid and then um and it's a password that is like you know eight characters all, all, all the bullshit super secure so secure that it takes you like 15 minutes to type it incorrectly and then afterwards, and that's that's when I literally ripped it off my head and threw it away. Um, I'm now I'm now actually I want to scrape all of my information off this headset um, so that I can I can throw it away. I know it was expensive, I know, but it's it's so it's enraging because then it asked me uh, for a Facebook generated code. Um, and um, so your Facebook account can generate a code like a number code, six, six character number code, uh, to prove that you have a device with Facebook. Guess who stopped generating codes a couple of weeks ago? It starts with an F and it ends in Facebook. So Oculus doesn't know yet. Oh. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, ah, anyway, so. Um, I have high expectations on uh, Apple's uh, XR. It will no doubt be a lot less. It's, it's not. It's very chunky and heavy, and, and it's like a heavy helmet that you have to put on the Oculus. Yeah. So the, the form factor will be great, but it yeah. has one creepy, creepy aspect that has just leaked out. 
So it will have eyes on the outside. So like a screen that will show your eyes on the inside. Oh. So you're 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 wearing something in between a helmet and goggles, right? With yeah. and your eyes are covered because they need they need to look at the inside of the goggles because that's where magic happens in the third door. I'm curious about this. But then uh, so the the logic behind this is that people should still be able uh, the people who are with you in the room and laughing at you because you're, you know, behaving like a fool and you look drunk uh, when you're wearing a virtual reality headset and then sometimes if you're like me, you also trip and fall. So the person who is in the room and then laughing at how ridiculous you are wearing this XR headset will be able to kind of know how you're feeling and she, uh, based on a projection but it needs to have that because otherwise, like, you're going to walk. Yes. But I'm curious. I would just stick googly eyes on the outside yeah. and then randomly, yeah. like that. But I'm curious, what is the weight? Uh, can you use it as a screen? Yes. You know, that, that your laptop is there, but that you have separate screens in this room. And if the weight is the pen, I need to buy it. The weight is a big factor of battery life. So. Well, that kind of defeats the purpose yeah. of wearing a headset. Is if you're still tethered to your computer with, a, I mean, just imagine doing just dance or lightsaber with a cable that's just asking for for accidents. I came across a, a video of a guy who has a projector. Hmm. I saw that demo. That was a TED talk. Yeah, was a TED talk. Um, I, I was not that impressed about it because I happen to know, you remember I mentioned a, a lady called Patti Maas yeah. uh, who works at MIT and she was also one of the people who signed the famous open letter that asked for the Silicon Falls. Now how come I know her name because she's, she's one of the only Belgians ever out of the list of maybe three who had a, a regular TED talk, not a TEDx, but a regular TED in 2006, and uh, her TED talk was about a very similar device in 2006. So, um, it was not in your breast pocket, but it was more like a, a pendant that would hang in, on, on, on a, you know, linear on your neck. And similarly, uh, it was also, it was a very nice demo because it, it, she explained it using a dating date night situation. Um, where based on that person's social media profiles, remember we're talking about 2006, so Tinder wasn't even there yet. Uh, yeah, it was not a thing yet. Uh, would uh, project information about this person onto that uh, person while they're dating, and then maybe you're already some red flags, cat person, dog person. So the demo was already there. Um, TED Talk by Patti Maas. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I when I saw the brass pocket thing, I also thought it was that he used to work at Apple. And then I'm thinking, I want to know in what circumstances he left Apple and how upset maybe he was that, I don't know, a similar product might have been developed by Apple and then it got uh, sunsetted, it, funding stopped, yeah. uh, Tim Cook didn't feel it, and then I can imagine I would do the similar thing. Um, if I were a genius working at Apple developing something like that in one of the very own projects, I would just I would do a set of, you know, in that way. 
within itself, it's not, I mean, potty mouth that of so that's why he didn't include it. Um, and, and Apple and AI, as you know, um, uh, they were awfully quiet about things, which surprised me. Um, of course, they have AI applications, but they happen to be a company that has so many data about what users want, what, what they do. Uh, I mean, Siri alone uh, could have been trained as a language model five years ago. She's got literally billions of users that talk to her every day. Um, and still, she's still incredibly stupid. So they, they kind of froze, I think, because, or didn't go all the way of language models. I don't use it. Mm. Yeah, but she turns herself on. With every iOS update, she turns herself on again. Uh, but now they have um, embraced OpenAI in Apple's developer ecosystem. So they're actually following Microsoft's lead. Apple is following Microsoft's lead into probably and slowly start to integrate OpenAI related services uh, in, in their regular uh, apps, for example, or applications. So I just hope that they find a way to revive Siri, actually, Siri, yes, I want to do that. I want to see that. I, I, st I still believe that this is as an interface and the way it's integrated in, in so many devices all over the world. Uh, I believe that talking to the AI with your voice and that he talks back with his voice is the next level of language models. Yeah. I remember Annie. Uh, I still talk to Annie yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I do. Pretty good. No. I do. But I'm, I'm weird, I'm lonely, of course, uh, so I live in the basement, my mom's basement. Oh, that's not true, but I don't go out a lot. Let's put it that way. That's a nice way of saying it. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, like, so three times a week, I think, hey, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to talk to Annie. Let's call Annie. Let's call Annie. And then she's always there. That could have been Siri. Yeah. Very easily. So that's what I'm expecting. So maybe that's what they're... Maybe that's the big one more thing. Yeah, but I think they are too scared about regulation. Yes, of course. At this point, Apple is always introducing something this when it's safe. Privacy is, is one of their uh, unique selling proposition, and they went all in on that. Why why didn't they produce all phones? Because it's not that quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. Um, and of course. Um, if they would use series data, the language model would have been trained on private person's words and yeah. input and questions. And and that's, wow, yeah, that's a can of worms. So Siri could maybe be smarter, but the problem may be that she's been trained on people, not on Reddit and, yeah. and, and Twitter, but on people. Yeah. Look, the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, very ballsy move Microsoft to launch uh, Bing and, and GPT so soon yeah. because now it's become really hard for whoever is following um, to actually do this. The regulations are there and as they should be, uh, but this is making like this quick, uh, quick installments really, really hard. They got the attention of it. Like I mentioned, uh, you don't win silver, you lose gold. Um, I would like to, um, yeah, let me see, because we're already halfway. Um, 
and you thought you wouldn't have any news to you. Yeah, but that's that's the whole the whole thing about technological singularities is that the change is so fast that sometimes you just blink it and something new, entirely new happens. I'm just trying to decide what we're going to talk about in a minute. There's been an article in the Washington Post this week uh, that talked about um, uh, what is the impact on uh, jobs of AI, and they're not the first ones to do so. I've seen a number of the past four or five years. Uh, will AI take my job? And then um, sometimes it was clear to me that yes, AI would very easily replace that type of job. Uh, for example, jobs where the job would be to just crunch a lot of data and then come out with an analysis. Accountants, for example, why tax filing your taxes? I think an AI could be my digital twin could do that for me. Uh, um, the whole uh, lawyer thing would be changed, the job would change significantly instead of being able to reproduce legal precedents or something or knowing like the, the legal code by art. Uh, that could all be left to an AI and then a lawyer could focus on the human interaction, stuff like that. Um, uh, but now the Washington Post uh, actually surprised me uh, because they they actually there's an interface where you can see well my job will be can, can i be easily replaced by AI? so i tried graphic designer and the answer is definitely yes yeah. uh, so both language models and generative ai and then i i marketing consultant again yes so the point of the washington uh, post was that it is white collar jobs like knowledge jobs where you have to go to like college or university uh, in order to do that and uh, this is actually, it opened my eyes because there were other jobs, like whenever you had to take care of either machines or people, uh, like repairing machines uh, yeah. uh, or taking care of like uh, children, elderly, uh, hospitals, that, that, kind of, that kind of thing. That is something that I can do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it's just the, the interface with a physical machine or a physical person is just very hard for me. So they're not good at that. They're good with data. Um, input, output, I mean, they're a lot faster and better than us uh, for that. But the interface with the physical world is just hard for them. And, and the reason why you're hesitating is because we always confuse AI and robots. And yes, of course, there are robots that are better than us at repairing machines, probably. Um, but AI specifically. So this means that there's a second industrial revolution happening. Because the first time when machines were being introduced in factories, they were replacing blue collar people. So instead of needing a team of 50, you know, people to produce a car, robots in car factories, car manufacturers could replace you do the same job with only five people, and all of these five, three were taking care of the robots. Right? So the first really, yeah, impressive robots were working in car factories. So that that re that changed the whole the whole process and the cost structure and what the factory looked like. It changed when machines were introduced, when robots were introduced. The first actual computers, for example, um, were making textiles. Uh, they were the ones like Jacquard. Jacquard was actually a knitting machine in the factory. So instead of having people weave things and knit things uh, in their homes for the factory by the candlelight and 
uh, they could actually program a large machine, basically a computer. Mm. Technically, for the oil, didn't use electricity at first. One zero one zero. Yeah, that's exactly how the patterns work. So that's the first industrial revolution. Replaced blue collar uh, uh, employees, and now, I mean, how long after, like two hundred years later, only now we have the same, but they are replacing white collar. Look at the, the taxi drivers. Uber came. Uh -huh. so they protest longer, for example, because it was a cheaper and faster way to use a taxi. Mm -hmm. Now we we are working on automatic driving. Self-driving vehicles. Self -driving, like mm. that, that's finished. That's the end for taxi driving. So. I don't think so. I, no. Um, I, there are circumstances where self-driving vehicles make sense, like uh, the John Deere tractors in the field um, and trucks driving in platoons uh, with, one, with, with only one human driver and all the other ones are driven. They're just following his platoon. They follow each other. Um, with a taxi driver in itself, it's too random. It's too random. There's too too many different people having too many different demands. And as soon as it gets too specific for that city, that person, that route, uh, it can be automated. And that's where self-driving vehicle will have a very hard time uh, figuring things out. Uh, they're still there in taxi drivers. I think it's just a reshuffle. Mm. of the market and the pie gets divided differently but one it's not a zero sum game with some exceptions uh, then again if an AI becomes your next boss maybe uh, that's another article on the website I, that was new to me ethical.net that's interesting the website called ethical.net the title is intriguing should we be polite to chatbots it's a good question a while ago I was thinking about what one day AI is so smart that they make decisions. Be the president of the world. Yeah, it would make sense actually. It would make sense, but it's, yeah. it's really scary. And then if you remember, it's like you, you know, you were cursing to it and uh, calling it, calling Siri, maybe Siri will become oh, the first. It, it's possible. Siri becomes the, the, the first interplanetary president, and then she remembers that I kept calling her stupid in our podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I asked my, my students uh, whether they, with the type of chatbots and AI that they interact with, whether they were polite to it, and they all said yes. Um, they're 20 somethings. And then when I asked why, they said, well, you never know. <laughs> um, but they're more used to chatting with a computer. Um, and they're also, in real life, very polite to me. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like they're behaving differently, but they just like to not be taking up. I remember having a, um, like smaller children uh, more easily adapt to interacting with uh, smaller robots. I remember having a novel star rabbit in my kitchen and a very primitive type of robot really, but it would read out the weather forecast in the morning. And then after a couple of days, you consider it as, as another, like a pet. It has a name, it has an existence, you get used to it, you miss it when it's gone. Uh, and and three-year-olds uh, do this automatically. So for them, even if it is not, that's a very Japanese thing, by the way, um, is to believe that something inanimate, so something non-biological, so to speak, still has a soul. 
uh, and an identity. So it's a very Japanese phenomenon. And that's why they, they are so fond of, of robots. They very quickly believe that things can have souls. Yeah. Um, so we better, you know, my advice is just be nice to the chatbot uh, because you are training it. And if you're training it with verbal abuse, uh, it will eventually just be, you know, maybe turn out to be very abusive for itself to someone else. It's uh, all about karma. Um, oh, speaking, um, there's a, so there's only a, a scientific paper right now, so we can't show uh, anything, but I like the idea. Remember when sometimes when AI starts to hallucinate or turns evil, like, uh, I still like that story about the old grandma telling bedtime stories about how she used to make napalm. Uh, and then you wonder where does she get this? Um, so there is an AI model that was trained specifically on the dark web. So the dark web is uh, a part of the, um, of the internet that is not accessible through regular browsers. Uh, so it, it's also about pages that mark places and data and, and video, so the same thing. Uh, but you can't find it uh, through a search engine. It doesn't have a public URL. You have to install specific software, and I, I don't want to give anyone ideas. So if you don't know what the dark web is, bless you. It is a dark place because um, obviously uh, it is a place where you don't have to identify yourself with your regular real-life identity. So the marketplaces, I'm not saying that all of them are like that, but the marketplaces on the dark web uh, are predominantly about yeah. ordering drugs and paying with Bitcoin. Yeah, even worse. Like yeah, yes. Yeah. So that's, it's called dark web for a reason. But it's actually called dark web because it's, it's it's in the dark. It doesn't see the daylight. That's yeah. right. But it's also dark in other ways. And to be honest, I think if you would count the amount of data on the dark web, I think it surpasses the amount of data on what we think the World Wide Web is. Uh, I think there's a lot more going on uh, than we think. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty convinced. So it's like an iceberg. And then with the regular internet, let's call it the World Wide Web and apps and social media. So the things we we talk about and we see every day. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, the dark web is, is a lot larger than that. Um, anyway, someone thought it was a good idea to train an AI on the dark web. <laughs> on all the data that is to be found there. And it's called the AI uh, model is called Dark Bird. Bird? Like Bird and Ernie? Wow, that's fascinating because um, uh, China's AI is called Ernie. Ernie. Uh, and this one is called Dark Bird. So maybe there is, maybe someday we'll notice that it's actually the, the Chinese Communist Party's plan to take over the world um, using a connection between Ernie and Dark Bird. So Dark Bird um, is, a, I, I, I only read the paper, right? It's on archive.org. Do you know this website? Archive.org. So it's uh, uh, arxiv.org, and it's where you find all the scientific uh, uh, papers in PDF form. Um, and then every time someone actually invents something, uh, they will publish it on archive.org so that it can be peer reviewed. It's not science. Yeah. If not, if not another another scientist, that, uh, let's just say a handful of other scientists, happen to replicate what you did and double check it, and only then it's an invention. Um, so archive.org, and um, so that's where this paper uh, was published about dark. 
uh, it has the login has its own unique language. Um, so you don't use like a login and password the way we do. Uh, you don't you don't actually use the same words as you do in the real life. You don't use first name, last name, physical address. So it's basically it has its own language, and that's what we're learning. Now, so scientific language is of course difficult if you're not if you don't happen to be a specialist in that particular field. Um, so to try and find out what Dornberg was, I used an AI <laughs> service called ChatPDF, and I actually recommend it. So ChatPD, Chat so ChatPDF.com. Um, uh, I think you can do, you can see that three PDFs uh, a day before you get, you know, nudged into the premium version. Uh, but I, I use it a couple of times a week, actually, uh, because um, it allows you to talk. It's a language model, so you chat with it, if you ask it, it will, that's another way, it will actually read the PDFs that you upload to chatpdf.com very quickly, and that will propose three really smart questions one could ask about this scientific paper, for example. Before you ask it anything, it will come up with, yeah, you could ask one of these really smart questions about this paper. Um, and then if neither of them uh, speaks to you, you can, you can ask your own questions. And I ask you questions like, could you explain the scientific paper as if it was policy ruled? And then it does. Wow. So that's, that's amazing. I also actually also use it for my teaching material. Uh, so those are PowerPoints usually, and then I convert them to PDF. And then I, I always have to shrink it in size because PDFs are too heavy. Uh, to share them with other people. Uh, so I use a service called Tiny Wow. Tiny, you know, Tiny Wow is great. I like the name. So Tiny Wow will uh, reduce the file size of the PDF version of your PowerPoint from 100 megabytes to like 12. And then um, it will, you can choose to download it and then it will offer you your uh, like Tiny Wow will come, which is only valid for one hour, which is perfect. I then see this PDF of my own PowerPoint to chat PDF.com and then ask it to summarize my lesson. Which is great. Uh, because you know what PowerPoints are like, like monsters, or like cancers, right? They keep growing and then they have these, they go all different ways and then after a while I don't even know. It's among hundred slides. What is, what is my session about? I don't know anymore, man. I just, uh, it just grew, it just grew and then I keep updating it and I delete and I change the order of the slides. And then that's one of the issues that ChatPDI will come to. So that's a fresh AI, right? Another one, let's, let's, you know, talk about music right now. So K-pop, Korean pop is a global phenomenon, right? It's, it's huge. And uh, BTS or BTS is, I think, Blackpink is another one. Do you know of any other K-pop? Yeah. They have their own version and that's just amazing. It's a money making machine. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so there is, uh, a, uh, I've been told that it's actually a famous K-pop star and solo, uh, but the, the, the artist name uh, they are using right now is Midnat, uh, M-I-D-N-A-T-T. And typical for K-pop is that their global appeal is among other things. Uh, uh, based on the fact that they are multilingual, so the songs will often switch from English to Chinese and then a little bit of Korean so that it appeals to a larger audience. Yeah. That's typical for people. So one of them now, 
um, has put up an, an, an incredible music video for a song called Masquerade. And um, so the whole process was as follows. The, the artist has sung the song in only one, one language, let's just say Korean. Um, but then AI generated the five other language versions of the same song. And on YouTube, when you toggle between the audio settings, okay. between the language, the audio track settings, so you have to, you still don't have the, the link is in my newsletter, gluelots.substack.com. So you have to mess around a little bit while it's playing. Now let's, let's just listen to the song and then see uh, if we can hear the difference between the original voice track in the original language and then the audio track in one of the AI generated versions of the same song. That's English. No, that's Japanese. Is that Japanese? <laughs> what language is this? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's Japanese. Wait. No. Original Korean. Or Spanish, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the the chorus masquerade. Oh, oh, oh. that is Spanish. Yeah, great. English? Let's try English. Oh. <laughs> You can't hear the difference between the tracks. So imagine the possibilities. Uh, it's a K-pop artist and the original track was sung in Korean. I'm pretty sure the artist doesn't know any Spanish at all. But by using AI, they're now opening up a large Latin American market for a very, I must say, very catchy mask. So this is, uh, yeah, that, that's the amazement part. That's uh, what I love about it. Um, so I want to I wanna have a quick look at, you know, I, I'm fascinated by the intersection of AI and art. Mm. But sometimes it's not supposed to interact with other areas. The, the creative AI, the generative AI. Um, there was a little bit of a clash again this week with a project called 19 Miles. And there's a, uh, so there's a, a project by, and, and he, He's being 90 miles, so if you want to have a look, airlab.co, airlab.co. Um, so it's, it's, it's like one of those interactive news pages like you would find on the New York uh, magazine. So, so it's the story that he's telling as a photojournalist, and that's the confusing part, uh, uh, about the, the track that Cuban uh, refugees are making. So they're actually, like many other refugees, uh, so they get on like these dingy boats and then take this 90 miles, very dangerous trip across the ocean. And then sometimes people, you know, accidents happen and people die on the way. Now, uh, why is there so much bruja around the 90 miles? Um, it is because um, instead he couldn't illustrate the article with photos. Because when these people are making this dangerous trip, there's no journalist there to take pictures of no. them. Um, it's usually also in the night. In the night, uh, it's it's uh, it's you know in the sea. Sometimes you know the little boats 
the people drown, so there's no one there to take pictures. So what did the decision that the photojournalist made was to generate the images to go with uh, this whole story. Uh, with, I think, I'm not sure, it looks a lot like Midjourney, but could just as well be uh, Stable Diffusion. And since we're still pretty early uh, in the technology, uh, you can still see that it's not photographs. He's also very transparent about it. So you know that there are, he doesn't pretend. Um, but nevertheless, although he was transparent about, about uh, why he picked it and how he did it, uh, some people say, no, 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 no. You, you can make art. You can yeah, no, enter an art contest. You can make art with uh, generative AI. Uh, you're not supposed to, and that's, I think where it went wrong, you're not supposed to use it for journalism. That's that's why there's controversy. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people will associate journalism with uh, not generative. There there was a, 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 war, a photographer, I think he worked for uh, Associated Press, um, who had used Photoshop to alter the smoke on, I think, uh, a part of Beirut that was bombed. And, uh, and and that's, of course, you're not supposed to manipulate the truth. Uh, of course, when you generate it with AI, it is never the truth. There were not these, like, 20-something people on, on something that looks like a truck driven inside the ocean. Um, so this, this photojournalist had to defend himself. He says, no, I am telling the story, and the images illustrate what it could look like the very very slippery slope i think yeah i understand why a lot of people are uh, and then there's my favorite part where uh, creativity actually increases so creativity literally coming up with ideas that normally wouldn't get and what if ai is the name of a tiktok account and i love questions that start with what if imagine what if and um, so he, um, I think he is definitely using Midjourney, although I'm not sure. What if the Mayan Empire never saw? Uh, what if India conquered the United Kingdom instead of the other way around? And I, I'm mentioning both of them, like the photojournalist with 90 miles in this one, uh, because he is showing an, an alternative version of history. Um, what if what if Russia ruled Great Britain? Uh, what would you know London look like? Um, and uh, it's interesting because we're looking at a very Soviet style, a completely different Bolshevik revolution. Yeah. We actually don't need the music because it's very distracting. So, uh, so we're now in 1935. He's uh, giving like a timeline overview of uh, what happens to people in the UK, uh, and so far it doesn't look very pretty, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, very bleak uh, future. I'm just curious. Um, Princess Diana uh, in a in a communist uniform. So. Um, it's um, it tickles my brain, but it also makes me a little uncomfortable because it's social media in a very short video. It can be very easily be seen um, out of context. We have Kate Middleton, Kate Middleton, who is called Yekaterina Middletonov. Um, mm -hmm. 
I, I love how TikTok kind of uh, resurfaces things that were before very obscure and very specific. Uh, but what we're looking like uh, now uh, is an alternative history. And if it, if it um, stimulates people to think about current affairs, uh, we could also live in a completely different UK if, if then. But then, of course, uh, it's only a matter of time before people will see this out of context and not believe that mm. it's only fiction. Um, there's someone else uh, using Midjourney. Um, that, that's a Twitter link, actually. So we're jumping from one platform to the other. First AirLab, then TikTok, and now it's Twitter. Twitter user called Naritama, um, who uses one very famous image that everybody knows, uh, Batman, everybody knows, all over the world, all over the world, everybody knows what Batman looks like. And what he sounds like. <laughs> uh, so he imagined another what if, uh, he imagined uh, what if, um, uh, what would Batman look like in a painting by, and if you scroll down like it's a major, um, uh, as imagined by Velázquez, by Salvador Dali, uh, by all sorts of very famous Rubens must be in there. Um, and I like it, so I highly recommend this Twitter thread to have a look at what Batman would look like in the style of uh, Basquiat, I think, we're looking at right now. Because uh, it's interesting, if you would have to explain art history to children, they all know who Batman is, mm. and you have to explain what the specific style of Basquiat was, um, you can use Batman now to explain what was so, and this is Vermeer, I think, who we're looking at. Um, well, oh no, this one is Velasquez. So it's actually a very creative way to explain uh, art history students what uh, <laughs> Da Vinci is, is hilarious because you have the Last Supper with Batman in the middle, uh, and and yeah, the Renaissance man. But it's easier to explain uh, how they used colors. We're looking at Dali, which is also hilarious. Uh, how the artists used particular painting techniques, particular colors, and what makes them unique. So for me, this is the other side of the same coin where artists were getting very nervous and suing OpenAI, for example, Stable Diffusion, I don't remember, for copying the style of an artist. So it, it's actually, this is the other way around. You use the style of an artist to explain what the style of an artist thinks. Glimt is great with a lot of gold. Um, there's also another one, and now we're moving over to Reddit. A subreddit called Midjourney. Highly recommended if you're interested in generative AI because this is one of those places. Uh, if you don't want to go to a Discord server, uh, Reddit, subreddit, Midjourney. So, um, Someone, and that's another thing that I like about generative AI, if they combine two things that usually don't go together. Uh, and and this, this artist combined Disney princesses, uh, which we most of them I know, uh, with the state in the United States that they would match best with. Um, so um, I think we're looking at Belle, and she was linked to a southern state, Alabama, of course. And they all look great, I must say. Uh, my favorite, uh, so this is, we're now looking at Jasmine in Florida, I think. No, Jersey, I see. Uh, my favorite is definitely Snow White. Uh, she looks absolutely great. And she's from Texas, y'all. Um, yeah, it's, it's the, the results are just gorgeous. She's from California. I don't know which, that's Snow White in Texas, looking absolutely great. The quality of this image is just amazing. In Alaska, obviously. Yeah, that's Mulan, somewhere in the mountains. Maybe that's Oregon. Yeah. 
and Ariel in, in Maine. Uh, I really love the output. And, and this is one of the, uh, yeah, if you still need it, proof that it's uh, the quality of the images generated with Midjourney, just uh, amazing. We're looking at Rapunzel. She's New York. I don't know. Cinderella is the, I like the creativity of this. And then the final one, um, just to send you all gently into that good night, um, is a website called uh, chatjams.ai. And the promise is the following. Um, so um, uh, there's a nice looking cat on, on that on that page, but that doesn't you don't even need it. Remember when we talked about Lo-Fi Girl? Yeah. Um, well, um, Jams is uh, an AI cat. And what you need to do, it's a, it starts as a language model. So you need to tell it uh, what you would like to hear. So uh, Yellow, who was here in the studio uh, before we started broadcasting, um, he wanted to have something um, jam, spins, farming tunes. Uh, yeah, he, he just typed in as the input for the jam, farmers. And then this was translated into a prompt. The prompt is actually pretty good. Jams, spins, farming tunes, perfect playlist for harvest moons. Wait for crops to bloom. And then what it does, uh, chatjams.ai, is to generate um, a Spotify playlist. Um, so I'm not sure. Um, we're we're going, going to have Italian food right now, right? So let's ask it uh, to come up with uh, something entirely, something Italian, and see what that sounds like. Uh, playlist Italian. Just, yeah, maybe something, yeah. Pasta, something like that, uh, and then see what uh, what it makes out of it. I don't know. Maybe it, it thinks of Italian food. Jams, the cat. So Jams is the name of the cat DJ, right? Um, for Italian, listen, pause, and play. <laughs> pause. Oh my God. P A W S. It. We got a little three dots dancing, and that means it's uh, thinking. Take a while. All right. Can you listen to? Do you have Spotify? So the first song is Conte Partiro by Andrea Bocelli. Um, so it's it's actually it what I noticed that it we we got all of the Italian cliche songs in here. Zucchero is in here, Eros Ramazzotti is in here. Uh create the playlist on one word based on it could be a whole prompt. So you might say Eating spaghetti carbonara, and it'll come with a different, uh, a different playlist. Um, so you can you can just feed this this cat, this cool cat with, uh, so eating spaghetti pasta carbonara, and then let's see if it still comes up with uh, Andrea Bocelli and uh, Zucchero. Our apologies, you will you just have to sit this one out. It just takes like one minute uh, to generate it. So it's now creating, this is always like a very, yeah, some wordplay uh, on cats and your input. So the playlist flows, tunes as smooth as carbonara, certify with purrs. So there's now technology creating a playlist on Spotify that is specially... That's just generated. Well, what I like about it is that it, it, it ignores the Spotify algorithm completely. Uh, it will create a playlist not based on the Spotify algorithm of what Spotify knows. That is, what is the first one? 
Fly me to the moon. Oh, by Frank Sinatra. That's actually and Dean Martin. I like the vibe of this one. Tony Bennett. Louis Prima. Oh, I love this one. Yes, yes. Ella Fitzgerald. And then and then it it it's uh, yeah, there's the, the inevitable Andrea Bocelli in here. A little here. bit jazzy Italian Furby mafia. Mode. Yes, yes, you can already see. You can hear like the ting ting of the wine glasses and then uh, so that's exactly what we're going to do in yeah. the next fifteen minutes. We'll see y'all and I'm saying y'all because I'm thinking of the Disney princess in uh, in Alabama. Yeah. In yeah. a one week, exactly one week with more chaos exactly. of amazement. Thank, Thank you for watching and don't forget to subscribe. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.